0: Hello and welcome to this installment of Wilderness Wanderings. I'm your host and guide, David Nolan. And if you've been following along with us for the last few episodes, you know that we've been walking through the wilderness of sin with the prophet Elijah, as described in 1 Kings chapter 19. And we've been tackling some of the issues that Elijah grappled with as the prophet of the wayward nation of Israel, and how he responded to Jezebel's death sentence following God's victory at Mount Carmel. As you recall, we examined the circumstances of Israel and recognized some parallels between the climate of Elijah's day and our own today. We examined the social, religious, and political atmosphere that led to the famine in Israel and God's response to the idolatry being celebrated by Israel. All of this culminated in Elijah's, or rather God's, victory over the Baal and Asherah prophets at Carmel which led to Jezebel's rage-filled declaration of death. Naturally, after all of this, Elijah felt fearful, discouraged, and even more than a bit afraid for his own life. So much so that he left his servant companion in Beersheba and took off alone across the barren mountainous terrain to Mount Horeb, also known as Mount Sinai, the mountain of God where Moses received the Ten Commandments. Along the way, so far, God has reminded him of several things. His provision, his perseverance, and his power. And we are just getting started. God has just demonstrated his mighty power and authority over the elements with a strong wind and a great earthquake and fire that threatened to tear the mountain apart. But the prophet was quick to notice that God's presence was not evident in any of these powerful displays of might and authority. In fact, it was explicitly noted in 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 12, that the Lord was not in the fire, and after the fire, a sound of a low whisper, or as the Berean Study Bible puts it, a still, small voice. A voice so low that you have to strain to hear it above the noise surrounding you. A voice so low that, but with such authority, that the distractions of the grand displays would mask the words behind the miracles. But it was not the miracles themselves or the signs and wonders that are the evidence of the presence of God. It was his voice, his word. Over the years, I have struggled with degenerative hearing loss, which was first recognized in the fifth grade. Through middle school and high school, I would more often than not seek out the first row of classes just so I could hear the teacher. But as a result, when we would go through the class taking turns reading from our text, I would often miss the place where I couldn't hear other students to keep up. As a result, I was sometimes viewed as either lazy or bored by my teachers who were not aware of this condition, and I would choose not to divulge it, out of fear of embarrassment. Furthermore, I would be easily distracted by other activity going on around me if I couldn't hear or focus on where I was supposed to be paying attention. Sometimes I would hear something from another room thinking my parents had called me, and then they would look at me like I was crazy when I would come and answer. Often my parents would send me to the kitchen to pick up something for them, and I would come back with the wrong thing because... I heard differently than what was said. It was really frustrating not just for me, but for those around me who were trying to give me instruction that I didn't have the ears to hear. But all of that began to change on May 2003. This was the year that I received my first set of hearing aids. Life went from relatively quiet to excessively noisy very quickly and I had to retrain my brain how to tolerate the new levels of sound that I was experiencing, and it took months to learn to hear correctly. I still remember the first thing I did when I got home from the audiologist that day that I got the hearing aids. I went to the kitchen, and I poured myself a glass of soda. As soon as the soda hit the glass, I began to hear the sound of a lot of static, I told my wife that I thought my hearing aids were already broken. She asked what I meant, and I told her all I could hear was this shh sound, like static. But as it turns out, it was the fizz of my soda that I was hearing for the first time. And it was amazing. Our bodies are designed to experience the world through our five senses. Sight, hearing, touch, taste, and smell. More often than not, when one of our senses is deficient, the others tend to compensate. But there is something about the sense of hearing that when you're missing it, you lose a sense of connection with the world around you to the point that it makes it especially difficult to communicate and to hear, of course. In recent years, with the advent of the Internet, I have seen numerous videos of children and infants when they get their first set of hearing aids, and the joy that lights up their faces when they start to hear for the first time. What always strikes me the most is the joy that moves their parents to tears as they see the joy on their child's face as a whole new world of sound opens up to them. When we come to understand the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ dwelling in our lives, it's like getting a new set of senses. We see the world differently. We see ourselves differently. And we hear things differently. We experience life differently. And through the Holy Spirit, God speaks to us, reminding us of his presence in our lives. In the Old Testament, the Hebrew word for breath and wind is the same word for spirit, ruach. It is the same word used in Genesis one verse 2, to reference the presence of the Holy Spirit of God in creation. It is the same word used in First Kings nineteen twelve to reference God's presence as marked by the sound of a gentle whisper. The New Testament uses another Greek word to reference spirit, wind, and breath. Pneuma. It is the root word for pneumatic or pneumonia. Both references to the power of air to produce and affect life. In the same way, in the first chapter of Philippians, Paul describes the work of the person of the Holy Spirit as one who began a good work in you, who will be faithful to carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless, until the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of God. It was the spoken word of God that demonstrated God's presence with his prophet and his people. Remember how the word of the Lord came to Elijah six times in 1 Kings chapter 17 and 18. After each instance, because of Elijah's obedience, God's word proved true. In each case, God demonstrated that he would be with Elijah throughout the trials that were to come. Elijah cried out to God on Mount Carmel, and God came through with fire from heaven to consume the altar built to prove his sovereignty over Israel. God never abandoned his prophet, even when the prophet abandoned his station. In the same way, he never abandons us even when we repeatedly abandon him and his ways. Remember Elijah's chief complaint? I, even I only, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. In addition to all the other emotions that Elijah was feeling due to the threat of Jezebel, what he felt the most pressing was loneliness in spite of all the miracles and signs and wonders, in spite of all the physical evidence that God had demonstrated through Elijah, in spite of the prophesied reality of drought, the feeding by the ravens, the provision of bread in the drought, the raising of a foreign widow's son, the fire from heaven, in spite of the new rain that has come to quench a dry and thirsty land, Elijah still felt alone. So he reminds Elijah once again that his presence is not in the miracles. Miracles can be faked. Satan can even cause false miracles to deceive many, and he does every day. Charlatans can use fake healings and miracles to deceive you into throwing your money away on a bill of goods that never delivers. Signs and wonders are visually appealing, and can rouse a crowd to action, as was the case of Mount Carmel. But the proof of the presence of God within the miracles is the alignment of his word. God may cause many miracles to happen in your own life, but those miracles are not the evidence of his presence. The evidence of his presence is the clarity of his word. We can scream the Word of God all day. But if it is not clearly presented in a manner that is consistent with the context of the Scriptures and made clearly understandable in such a way that inspires the listener, then God's presence will not be realized. God is not found in confusion or in misrepresentations of the Scriptures. Even Satan tried this tactic with Jesus. Satan twisted scripture to tempt Jesus to sin in Matthew chapter 4, verse 6, and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written he will give his angels charge concerning you. And on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against stone. The passages come from Psalm chapter 91, verses 11 and 12, which was a psalm of David. The psalm itself is a song of encouragement for those who live in obedience to him, in spite of their circumstances. Jesus' response was simply another word of scripture. On the other hand, it is written, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. The more appropriate scripture for that given circumstance came from Deuteronomy 6, verse 16. Herein, you see the danger of the so-called prosperity gospel or name-it-and-claim-it-slash-word-of-faith theology that has devastated so many with its deceptions. Satan himself attempted to promote this theological perspective, and Jesus responded with a simple declaration to not test God by twisting scriptures out of context to fit your own selfish agenda humble obedience is god's desire. So how do you know god's word for your given situation? Well, first you need to know his word. Period. In John chapter 16 verse 13, Jesus said the spirit of truth will guide you into all the truth. We have to be tuned in to the holy spirit in order to understand what the scriptures mean. We also have to be constantly immersed in the scriptures in order to intimately know the scriptures, and then he will guide us to what is the truth for our situation. He will disclose all things, but the purpose is not our glory, but his. As Jesus went on to say in verse 14, He, the Holy Spirit, shall glorify me, Jesus. For he shall take a mine and shall disclose it to you. We cannot see the wind, but we can feel it and see its effects on the environment around us. You can hear the rustling of the leaves in the trees and know that it is there. In the same manner, you can know that God is there by listening for the sound of his voice as he speaks to your heart. His voice will guide you and remind you all that he has promised and will continue to remind you that you are never alone in this world. The wind can also be a source of destruction. Just ask the survivors of any major hurricane, Andrew in Miami, Hugo in North Carolina, Katrina and Rita, all along the Gulf Coast from Texas to Mississippi in the Matanuska-Susitna Valley of Alaska, about an hour north of Anchorage. January and February bring winter to a close with a howl of intense windstorms with sustained winds in excess of 100 miles per hour. Just as easily as the voice of God can calm a storm, he can and does speak judgment against disobedience. To live in denial of this fact is foolishness. All too often, even Christians refuse to accept this as a reality, choosing instead to focus on the grace and mercy of God, while ignoring his sovereignty and holiness that demands obedience. Sin has its own natural consequences, and sometimes God will speak judgment against nations for their disobedience, just as he did when he pronounced drought on an unrepentant Israel. To recognize his voice, however, you must be familiar with his words. He will never tell you anything that is contradictory to his established word, the Bible. That is why it is critical that you spend time daily absorbing all that you can from the scriptures. Only then will you be able to recognize his voice in the midst of a noise that life throws your way. No matter what evil may come against you, even to the point of the threat of death. He may not even deliver you from that threat. But you can rest assured that he will be there at your side to welcome you home. Thank you again for spending some time with me today. I pray that this study has blessed your heart and drawn you closer to the presence of God. If you would like to support this podcast, please visit our sponsors at wildernesswonderings.org. If you have any questions, concerns, comments, or just need prayer, reach out to us there as well. You can also see my blog that I post every Tuesday through Friday morning. Until next time, this is David Nolan reminding you to keep your eyes on the sun and continue to wonder through the joy and wonder of God's grace. Have a great day.